for the touch of your lips, dear, but much more for the touch of your whips, dear. You can raise welts like nobody else as we dance to the masochism tango. Hillary and I are having rage babies. Just one for me. <laughs> We're, there are so many rage babies in this movie. We are doing the 1979 classic, The Brood. Cronenberg, honestly, on his game in this movie. For sure. As soon as I started the movie and it came up, uh, you know, The Brood by David Cronenberg. My notes literally say I know everything I need to know about this movie right now. <laughs> right. It's uh we're going to we're dealing with some body horror and we're dealing with some rage issues. Yeah, and very very well done. Oh god, I love this movie so much. And this is I slept on this because I did not get into this film until it popped up on one of those like 100 greatest moments of horror thing on shutter mm -hmm. oh yeah no i'd slept on this too until uh you recommended that we do the brood i was initially i was like my body horror is not really right my not, not my thing horror. either yeah. no not my thing either so. and so but when i found out it was like rage babies i was like yes yet another reason i don't want to have children yeah no this was a rough watch for me. We'll we'll get more into why. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this movie opens with what I thought was either a bad play or a theater class. See, when this movie opened and it's the two gentlemen, I'm going, okay, is this is father's son? I mean, they weren't cast well. Like, they're the same age that oh no okay they're gay lovers and this is daddy okay. absolutely and ab that was that was the other thought i had was like oh cool they are doing a queer centric uh like scene from a play and it's a theater class basically because it kind of looks like theater in the round yeah <clears throat> and then once it like starts panning back and now there are other people there so i go okay it's it's a play it's a drama okay and then it comes out that this is a, a group therapy session on stage. And I'm like, literally, what is the fucking dynamic here? What are we doing? Yeah, it is so bananas. Okay, so it pulls back and we see Art Hendel, uh, who, if you're wondering who Art Hendel is or if you recognize his name, he is the Canadian actor, uh, fur coat wearing boyfriend from Black Christmas. Oh, I didn't put that together at all. Okay. So it pulls back. He's watching this sitting next to this person who's basically mesmerized by this entire, you know, weird therapy exercise. And um, and he's like, this guy is a genius. And uh, next we see that he is actually just there to pick up his daughter who has been there for visitation. And she's roughly between like six and maybe six years old seven seven or eight I think maybe she's eight. eight i believe she's eight okay so she's you know this little like angelic blonde wire cut bangs you know kid red and snowsuit. red snowsuit exactly and he goes to pick her up and when they're walking okay so i don't know if you got this but like when they were walking from where the bus was to the car it totally reminded me of like being in rehab when like people's <laughs> like people's families are picking them up and they're just like yes i know now that i am the one with the problem and not you <laughs> I did not pick up on it, but now that you have said it, yep, no, that I was actually really obsessed with her red snowsuit, and I actually like wrote down, did you ever wear a snowsuit, or were you Florida raised? Okay, so I'm born and raised in Florida. I never owned a snowsuit. Okay. I, have, I have never had a snowsuit ever, so I was pretty, like, I was like, wow, it must be really cold in Canada. Yeah, no, yep, that's really what I was so heavily focused on, because I was starting thinking about the little girl from... Uh, Poltergeist. No, the red jump, the red raincoat. You know, don't look now. Yes. <laughs> Follow the trailer. 
how do we get anything done? So yeah, no. And then I started dancing back and forth. So really what was happening in front of me on the screen, I wasn't really watching. I was thinking about remembering trying to walk in a snowsuit because I used to have to walk in one and it's awful. That's awesome. So so Jersey, big, heavy snow plays. Yeah. When I was growing up, we needed to wear the snowsuits and like walk to school and just take them all off and hang them up on the hooks. That whole thing is absolutely true. So he takes his daughter home and he is bathing her and he finds that she has these welts on her back. And his immediate assumption is that obviously her mother, who is staying at this, quote, mental institution, which basically looks like one of those like snow lodges. Yeah, no, very high end luxury Kind of, not maybe, maybe not luxury. That's a bit of a stretch, but definitely remote. Kind of seems like a celebrity wilderness kind of camp. Absolutely. And the fun fact is, I actually did some research on this. It's called the Courtright Center for Conservation. And it is a suburban conservation area and educational facility in Vaughan, Ontario, Canada, in the northern part of the greater Toronto area. And it's operated by Toronto and Region Conservation Authority. And what's cool about it is the area is located in like this forested uh, place, but people actually have their weddings there. At, at the Rage Baby Center. At Rage Baby Center. Stop it. I, I really was. <laughs> I was like, dude. I fucking want to have my wedding at, at Rage Center, at Rage Baby Center. I, lo- I loved the look of this whole place. Like, I was like, man, I'd, I'd live there. Like, I would totally live there. But it is basically like if you went to a state park and, you know, it was like, here, come to the visitor center with the, you know, the, the gift shop and the theater and the classrooms. That's basically what it is. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I, I get that. But yeah, no, don't get married there. Yeah. But apparently you can. So um, he's bathing her, finds out she's covered with these welts. And so he immediately assumes that her mother, who was staying at the mental institution-ish, uh, named Nola, uh, has abused her. So he goes and he visits the doctor who is uh, seeing seeing her. And that's Dr. Raglan. That would be the weirdo who was doing the creepy group therapy thing with... Uh, poor Michael at the very beginning of this movie in the opening and Dr. Raglan is played by Oliver Reed who apparently was in I guess he's the bad guy from like the movie Oliver like the please sir can I have some more right so he's like the bad guy in that movie I gotta just make a sharp now left hand turn because that's just gonna run rampant in my brain uh way to go dad because he really like thinks my daughter is being abused and really like jumps into fucking action yeah i love i absolutely love art hindle in this movie he really he really he you can tell that he honestly cares about his kid and he honestly cares about the welfare of his child and also understands that he's going through this really messy mentally unstable divorce yeah and just absolutely is I dropped her off with no bruise. And it's not like, you know, she's like one bruise on her leg. It's like her back is covered in bruises and welts and just. It, it kind of looks like she's been flogged. Yeah, it's un- it's an uncomfortable scene. And then he's taking the pictures with the Polaroid. That whole thing, it was very hard for me to watch. And dad's just, you know, gaining evidence because that's what you have to do you know like bruises are going to you know heal and cover up and you need to be able to prove this to like save your kid so like he's doing all the right things but as a viewer i was like i'm you're making me complicit yeah it was really uncomfortable um so interesting thing about this movie is like whereas rabid and scanners has a lot of sort of moments of levity maybe for someone who has a more you know, bizarre sense of humor like myself and Hillary do, this movie has zero levity. This movie is dark. It does not have any, like, moments of, like, tee-hee-hee or that could be funny or lighthearted moments. This is a very serious film about divorce and custody battles. And And trauma for me. I mean, again, you definitely know what Cronenberg is doing with your deep dive but for me this was definitely dealing with trauma right unresolved trauma yeah oh yeah unresolved trauma and how your body will resolve it 
Absolutely. And and I think one of the interesting things about this film is that um, it deals with like generations of trauma. Yes. Yeah. The the cycles of abuse that, you know, we all go through. Who, you know, when does the link snap? So the reason that Cronenberg decided to make this movie is because he had seen Kramer versus Kramer, which is another 70s divorce movie. And he was so offended by the fact that they had this like amicable divorce, that things were like, okay, basically, and that it was more of a kind of um, docile (laughs) divorce uh, and docile custody battle, like that he he was like, no, that is not the way that divorce is. Um, having been in the middle of his own divorce case and custody battle, he decided he was going to write like, what if what if rage and unresolved issues, unresolved trauma, unresolved mental illness, what if it manifested itself in the form of body horror? And this is where we get. Um, so so dad, obviously, pissed off, goes and sees Dr. Raglan, and uh, Dr. Raglan answers the door in the shortest robe I have ever seen on a grown man. Yeah, no, when he showed up there, like, I wrote, I was just like, wife is in air quotes, intensive therapy, question mark? Is that slang for something? Yeah, because... <laughs> Because it's funny because, like, you're watching this and you're like, man, is Dr. Raglan fucking all of his patients? Yeah, totally what I thought. I thought it was a weird fuck cult. Yes. Thank you. Yes, I did. I absolutely thought it was a weird sex cult. Yes, I did. Because I was like, wow, this is a really, like, fancy mental facility for therapy. And, you know, he's answering the door in a short robe. He's got, like, a, you know, cute manservant that comes to the door, too. Um, He is cute. Yeah, that's a cute, that's a cute dude. Yeah, um, named uh, Chris, and sure. he comes to. <laughs> so, so he comes, he comes there and tells Doctor Raglan, "Look, fuck Nola's visitation. She's not getting to see my kid anymore. She has abused my child. I'm going to my lawyer. No more visitation for Nola." And the therapist, Doctor Raglan, says, "You know, this would be a very bad idea." at this quote stage in her therapy. Yeah, I I was I really I mean I know that he can't cuz you wouldn't have a movie, but I really wish kind of like the therapy doctor gave a little bit more information as like really what we're doing here. I get that he can't, but you know just like hey, we're you know we have to edit all of that. No, but the way that so <laughs> No, but I know what you mean because Dr. Raglan talks in code. Yes. He talks in cult code. Yes. You know, like, well, at this stage in her treatment quotes, um, it would be bad of you to do this and to take away her visitation rights um, because she's making progress. And like, we don't know what progress looks like, means anything. We don't even know why Nola's there. Right. Yeah. No, there's no explanation as to like what she's doing there. The only thing that we have seen about this therapy was the two guys, you know, Dr. Raglan and Michael slash Michelle. Oh, dear God. Yeah, that whole thing. Okay, now, before before we're accused of being problematic, um, in that therapy session in the opening, the doctor challenges him and says, you're not a real man. Your parents should have called you Michelle, not Michael challenging his um masculinity which we're rolling our eyes at that by the way um so he goes to the lawyer and says you know what if i you know he's like well fuck it i don't want her to have visitation rights anymore and the lawyer says you can't do that i don't i i don't really remember that part okay the lawyer says you can't do that he goes well what if i can prove that raglan is actually a fraud would that actually help my case as far as getting full custody of the kid and the lawyer's like yes go gather information which is why he ends up going to you know creepy mccreeperson later on in the whatever that place was that weird halfway house that he lived now i understand who the characters are because i was 
very fucking lost with the happening. Okay, okay. So he picks up candy from school. Um, that would be the little girl. Sorry, guys. Uh, picks up candy from school and he flirts with the teacher Ruth, who has the f- most fabulous mullet esque haircut I have ever seen. Well, it was a little pixie. She, was it a pixie? Because yeah. she was kind of longish. Is that what a pixie is? Uh, it, like her long just like touched her neck. Okay. Yeah. A oh, mullet. That's not a mullet? No. Okay. Your mullet's got to. There wasn't enough party in the back. She had a pixie. <laughs> so she picks up candy from. He picks up candy from school and takes him. Takes her to uh, grandma's house. Yeah. That would be Nola's mother's house. And okay. Did, didn't you think that Grammy was just a little young looking? I thought Grandma was a little young, um, but she also looked wealthy. So I was like, wealthy, maybe she was able to like really take care of her skin kind of thing. Oh. So I, I went, okay, no, she just has like the great adrenochrome skin care. Right. Fabulous uh, ad- adrenochrome. Yes. That's good. Go drop my kid like, off there. Like if we're not gonna like if we weren't gonna get canceled for Michael Michelle, we're definitely getting canceled for Adrena Chrome. Okay. So Grammy, I literally wrote Grammy looks young. Um then we cut and we meet Nola, finally. Nola is played by Samantha Egger. Uh for your genre fans, Samantha Egger is one of the stars of Curtains, and she's a fabulous, fabulous Brit actress and has amazing hair. Her hair is super... I mean, I thought she was a great all around. I totally believed her mental instability. Then I totally believed her when I thought she was being sincere. She really blew me away in every scene that she was in. Yeah. She's fantastic. So she's talking to uh, Dr. Raglan. And Dr. Raglan is talking to her about um, how she abused her daughter. And she said, mommies don't abuse their babies and he says don't mommies abuse their babies sometimes and she's like well sometimes mommies are fucked up and then we learn well we learn from nola's perspective anyway that her mother was physically abusive to her growing up while her father looked on and didn't do anything about it. Now this is juxtaposed between a scene of Candy meeting with grandma at her house by herself, by the way, because, because um, Art Hindle basically just dropped her off. Yeah. And in, at grandma's house, she's going through these photos and she sees a photo of Nola as a little girl in bed. And she asks like, why they were in the hospital. Yeah, yeah, in a hospital bed. Yeah. Right. And she says, why was grand, you know, why was mom in the hospital? And grandma says, well, because um, your your mother used to get these welts all over her body and these bumps, these mysterious bumps all over her body, and we didn't know where they were coming from. So what's interesting about this is Cronenberg leaves things so vague because you really don't know who the good guy and the bad guy is. Like, yeah. we don't know. Yeah. Like, is Nola just batshit nuts and she's making all of this up? It, was her mother abusive? Um, we don't know. We have no idea. And then she's seeing this therapist who's just, like, part of his whole thing um, that's called psychoplasmics, which, by the way, Google it. It's not a thing. Um <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately my boyfriend convinced me it was a thing which was fun uh but no it's it's actually not a thing but it's this idea that grief or uh rage or anguish or feelings of any kind can manifest themselves in the form of physical deformities body horror basically yeah no i loved that i loved that it definitely seemed the way that this was how my brain was working it was I definitely thought mom, grandma was abusive. Mom abused mom who abused mom who abused kid. And it's a long link of, you know, women abusing one another. And, you know, which is I get maybe a spin or what, you know, that usually men are the abusers, especially in horror movies. Absolutely. This was one of the first times I had seen uh, and I'm sure at that time period, it probably wasn't really done. 1979, obviously this is filmed in 78, where you know women were uh, shown as the abusers. Yeah, especially 
nice, upstanding, wealthy, well-to-do, you know, white Christian, you know, like all of the things. And that's really what I thought was happening here. And then I thought, even though, you know, the therapist guy is like creepy and like a little unnerving, maybe he really is really trying to do work and just has unorthodox methods. I was team dad right off rip. But I was kind of like anti-mom. Mom seemed like she was not fucking stable. Right. And also, it's important to point out that just because you are abused and, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that that abuse needs to be carried over into the next generation. Well, in horror movies, it does because it's like an STD, you know? Yeah, like it's, 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 it along. it's revenge, really. Yeah. Um, so now the more angry that Nola gets, the more we notice that there has now become some sort of dwarf slash child character, Rage Baby, that has climbed into the kitchen. One of these like weird- Creature children is what I have them as. Creature children, okay. So has climbed into grandma's kitchen and is basically uh, wearing a snowsuit, much like um, little girl candy and is just messing shit up basically like like literally just like throwing pasta on the floor and just like throwing shit all over the place she threw milk out of a cabinet yeah that was weird and I was I like why is this why was there milk in the cabinet yeah I was just like oh so we're saving the little girl's life you can't store milk in a cabinet <laughs> right so so Grammy hears the noise and says oh I must not have put the plates away correctly yeah, right. And that's how the milk came out. Oh. Yeah, I don't I don't know. All right. So Grammy goes into the kitchen and it is pandemonium. Good word. Good word for what there's a ruckus. It's a ruckus. <laughs> Rage Baby has a meat tenderizer and has gone feral. And it is like there's also what's really interesting about these weird children dwarf things is that they have this like animalistic growl to yes. them. Yeah, very animalistic. Yeah, it's no it's not words, it's just grunts and <laughs> it's really creepy. It's fucking creepy and scary. And these rage babies basically jump out uh well one of them jumps out, sorry, and starts just beating the shit out of Grammy with a meat tenderizer till she is dead. And this what I came up with at this point was that the little girl had manifested a like imaginary friend kind of thing. Which is a fabulous, fabulous like plot device. Like that is so good. Yeah, that's what I had came up with was the little girl was being abused. Dad keeps dropping her off because he's trying to work and get divorced. And even though he means well, he's not there. So she created this imaginary friend. And now the imaginary friend from her trauma is coming to protect her. And we already know grandma put mom in the hospital. Mom just beat the shit out of her over the weekend. So imaginary friend creature child is now coming to protect Candy fantastic okay but unfortunately that is not what's happening no, here no because <laughs> this is a cronenberg movie um so candy walks into the to the kitchen and she finds dead grandma and it's safe to say candy kind of goes into a dissociative state yeah no the creature child hisses at candy and just she is emotionless just, and that's really why i thought like she didn't realize she was capable of like making this thing come to be kind of like fire starter except that fi the fire is basically just like a rage child yes yeah fire starter but in the form of a child exactly so rage baby runs upstairs and um the cops have now arrived like later on and they've called uh daddy and said look like you, you number one your mother-in-law's dead yeah. number two we found your daughter upstairs sound asleep completely unaffected by everything that happened yeah just absolutely yeah she took a nap and that was further confirmation that she felt safe to go to sleep because she knew who it was that's my friend carlene <laughs> right it was exactly so 
so they basically say like look you're we had the child psychologist talk to your kid and your kid is disassociated and fucked up right so next we see nola trying to make a phone call and sexy young ted bundy uh chris is actually trying to like get her not to you know and she's like you know they're trying to keep me from my child and you know and one of the really interesting things that chris says to her is he's just trying to be a good dad yeah i loved that i loved that it was acknowledged that he's just trying to do the right thing and protect his child like your child he's trying to protect her and like that's what good dads do and i was like well done cronenberg right very very good and then one of the things like if if chris looks familiar to any of you genre fans it is because in the movie the dead zone another cronenberg film uh he's the guy who goes into the bathroom and takes the very sharp scissors and then falls on them like i think he i want to say he either opens them up inside his throat like he like 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 he stabs himself in the mouth with them or he stabs his eyes with them and i can't remember which it is but that's why he looks familiar um and so next uh next next arriving in town is gramps gramps who really does look like he's a lot older than his dead wife which again made sense to me for wealth yeah 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 everything just totally was we are rich white people makes total sense little girl's imaginary friend is killing off her family (sighs) genius all right so (laughs) gramps is in town for funeral stuff and um and he's, you know, he's there basically to get the funeral arrangements done. And he, I guess, is estranged from his wife. Like, I guess he, I don't know if he's remarried or if she's remarried, but they are divorced. So divor- uh, grandma wasn't remarried because the cop uh, asks son-in-law about all grandma's lovers. <laughs> and I was like, that's such a weird fucking question to Ask your ex. Yeah, what are you? What are you trying to? What are you trying to uh, imply, Cronenberg? And I was like, "Ooh, Grandma was getting it in." <laughs> Grandma's a whore. Yeah. Ah, that's what happens in the seventies. You're a whore. You get murdered. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. No, it was. Uh, Grandma's getting it in. Ha ha ha. And yeah, no. Grandpa was older. Because uh, that's what wealth affords you. Gotcha. Prior to this. <laughs> When dad had talked to the lawyer and said, you know, if I can find out, if I can prove that he's a, if Dr. Raglan's a fraud, you know, will this help me? So he finds a former patient of Dr. Raglan named Jan Hertog, uh, it, who is just batshit crazy bananas wearing a sweatsuit and claims and that. rolling around on the floor. You can't just skip over that because that's. I did not realize that he was the halfway house, like, you know, again, dogs, whatever. I missed it. So it was just, he walked into this house and there's just this guy sweating, rolling back and forth all over the floor. And I go, what the fuck are we doing? Absolutely. It's a, it's a definitely a weird moment. It, it reminded me very much like the sweatsuit guy reminded me very much of sweatsuit guy from rabbit from rabbit. Yeah. Sweatsuit guy. Absolutely. Apparently Cronenberg's real big on dude and sweatsuits so um he uh he tells dad he says you know psychoplasmics gave me cancer yeah and then uh and then like removes like this like scarf or ascot that he has wrapped around his neck and he has this like creepy futurama goiter on his neck yeah that's all i thought was oh it's the guy for again i don't know who this character is because i'm lost at this point but i was just like oh it's the guy from futurama that's got the thing on his face the red guy because i don't know anybody and it's funny because you can actually like he's talking to him and he's like yes he's like psychoplasmics gave me cancer dr raglan is a fraud you know but it becomes very evident especially by dad's face that his his case against Dr. Raglan is just like crumbling before his very eyes because he's like, if this is what I have as evidence, this is not going to cut it. Yeah, no, very much. Uh, I, but like, if you're getting ex mental health patients, like, really, what were you expecting, Dad? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're yeah, we're we're not the most reliable bunch. Yeah, like, 
I don't think either one of us should go and testify in front of a judge. Jesus Christ, no. Right? Like, oh, let's talk about your arrest record and your mental health and everything. Yeah. Can we trust you in this court today? <laughs> no. Oh, God, no. So, <laughs> meanwhile, Grandpa actually shows up to the, um, the Soma. What's it called? Soma No? No more Soma? Soma? <laughs> no. <laughs> The name is the... Oh! Soma... No, it's called... No, the name... The name... The name... The name of the treatment center... I'm sorry. The name of the treatment center is Soma Free. I was trying to come up with... I'm like, no Soma? Soma no? Soma Free. Okay. So then... Soma Muscle yeah. Relaxer? Okay. All right. Yep. Okay. Yeah. I had to ask... Pablo, I was like, isn't Soma a drug? Yeah. Yeah, that's why when you were just like, no Soma. I was like, no, not here. <laughs> no Soma here, my friend. So so Pop Pop shows up at us. <laughs> shows up at Soma Free. And to tell Nola that her mother has died. And Dr. Raglan's like, nope. No. Yeah, nope. Can't let you know that your mom was just murdered. And she's like, he's like, so I'm supposed to bury her without Nola knowing. And the doctor's like, that is absolutely what you're supposed to do. Oh. Now, it is important to point out that at this point, uh, Grandpa is very, very drunk. Yeah. No, Grandpa, Grandpa has a has a little bit of a drinking problem he needs to go to like the uh, like okay my daughter's in here for mental health you just need to go to the other end of the hallway sir where we can deal with exactly like he needs to he needs to go to charter oh right old like if we're if we're if we're kicking it old school let's let's pull charter into this yeah (laughs) just have a seat sir we'll be with you momentarily (laughs) take your soma (laughs) so so anyway, he leaves Soma Free completely dejected and decides to go to his ex-wife's house where she was murdered by the rage baby and even sees her chalk outline. Yeah, the yeah, the and I actually thought it was incredibly sweet the way that he like kneeled down with it and was like holding her dead hand. Oh, like, that is sweet. Yeah. Wow, you're such a better person than I am. Well, I just you know, cuz I understood that everybody was getting divorced and I remember hearing the person you marry is never the person you divorce, but you always remember the person that you married. And at that moment, it was he was grieving the person that he married, regardless of like what had gone. Again, oh, I got deep in this movie. That is no, I have to say, because I totally thought that I was the one who 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 dove into the whole divorce thing with this movie. But like you really you, you really did go deep with this. Yeah, no, I was in it. And he remembered who he married and who he bought that house with and those memories that he had with her. And when he moved Keep in mind now, this is a chalk outline. There is nobody there. But he moved, like, the hair out of her face. Like, he just kind of pet her face. And, like, I had, like, tears in my eyes. That is so sweet. Yeah, he just, he missed that. And I was just, you know, that the power of forgiveness. And, you know, people just always want to hold on to grudges till people are dead. And blah, 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 blah. Uh, See, that is so beautiful. I mean, my parents, so... I'm not really sure if your parents were divorced before your mom passed away or your parents were married when your mom passed away. Yeah, no, they were they were married, married. Yeah. Okay, so you're not the child of divorce. No. I after my mom passed and like years later then my dad got a girlfriend who like, you know, still keeps in touch with us and everything, but yeah, like I like when I say I had like an idyllic fucking childhood, the way that I, why I turned out the way I did, I, there's just no real explanation for it. But that's interesting just because my parents, my, my parents fought for the better part of my life and they finally ended up getting a divorce when I was about 19 and their divorce was just as venomous and horrid as the, as, as everything depicted in this film, even though we were grown, um, you know, they were, my father stalked my mother, um, you know, just was, couldn't, could not wrap his brain around the fact that that relationship was over, that she had moved on. And 
they were venomous towards each other, absolutely venomous. But when daddy was going to pass away, when he was on life support, my mother sat by his side and held his hand and told him, you know, when you get to heaven and you see our son, flick a light here and I will know that you've been reunited. And it was just like this really beautiful moment because you just think about it like, you know, that letting go of that like anger, you know, because it was like that moment where she was like, no, this is a person who I, you know, married, was in love with and had children with, you know? Yeah, no, it, I, I thought it was one of the most beautifully sad moments of the movie. It just... Yeah, no, I don't want to fucking. No, so, 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 so Pop Pop goes upstairs because Pop Pop is very drunk and he's like, he's crying. He goes upstairs, he falls onto the bed. And if you are paying attention, you know that Rage Baby crawled upstairs at one point and is about to make themselves known. Yeah, 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 we have, uh, yeah, I have the creature child is now. And I was like, is Creature Child still in the house? Question mark. Did they go back to the house? I know. I was kind of like, where did... Exactly. There's a lot of people in this room, right? So we we cut to um, Candy's school with her teacher. And teacher is... is, Teacher's hot for dad. Dad is kind of sort of indifferent towards teacher. Like, he kind of like, oh... That might be interesting, but he's definitely not there to get his dick wet. No, de- like, I, f- I feel like the flirting was light on oh, her. Very, very light. Right. Yeah. And dad is, he is, I mean, grandma was just murdered. He's going through a divorce. His daughter's being abused. Like, there yeah. is a lot on his fucking plate. And I have to give credit to Cronenberg for this because they could have just made this very, like, romantic. Like, yeah. I am clearly going to get over this by getting under another. But he does, but he doesn't. And it's Candy that says, you know, uh, the teacher, Ruth, uh, says, you know, Mrs. Mrs. Such and such, uh, Mrs. Mayor, Mrs. Mayor is hungry. Can we bring her back to our house and feed her? Which yeah. is adorable. Yeah. No, it was very, you know, Teach was trying to get a meeting with dad, you know, to talk about whatever's going on with Candy. Yeah. School. To basically tell tell him that Candy needs a mother figure in her life. Now, does doesn't necessarily mean she wants to be the mother figure in her life, but she knows that there's an absence of a mother figure and it's definitely spilling over into candy's education yeah and just wants and it was yeah it was so beautifully shot of just like kid just wants her teacher friend to come over uh teacher is like yeah that you know could be cool something and dad's just really like yeah yeah i mean everybody's got to eat sure run it yeah very uh very very benign really you know so while he is eating dinner with Ruth, the teacher, um, he gets a phone call from Pop-Pop. Pop-Pop is upset, crying, you know, and, and at, and at, Gra- at you know, Grammy's house. And, he, you know, basically dad says, okay, I need to go. I, I got to go pick up Pop-Pop because Pop-Pop is clearly drunk and it's prob and, and is probably going to do some harm to himself. Yeah. He was planning on going to get his daughter. Right, because yeah. he was like, he was angry that Dr. Raglan would not let him see Nola. Yeah, so I'm wasted, pissed drunk, and I'm definitely going to go drive into the middle of the fucking woods and go get my daughter so we can bury her mother. Like, I, everybody's motives make sense to me. Like, at no point was I just like, wait, we did what? Like, ugh, that totally, who- totally makes sense. Exactly. Yeah, yeah it's no, how I. I do absolutely relate to this. So at the house, Rage Baby then jumps out and beats Pop Pop with a snow globe. Yeah. And like a snow, one in each hand, right? Was it? Yeah. Two where it was just like a back and forth, like fucking pummeling, like vicious. Which I think if I, if I have to go, if I have to go metaphor deep dive with this, it would really be that like, 
divorce doesn't just affect the the husband and the wife that are divorcing. It also affects the in-laws, the family, the friends, the innocent bystanders like the teacher, all of those people. Like it, it destroys everything around it, even if you try to make it not destroy everything around it. Yeah, no, uh, trauma is fucking wild. It really is. And just how it manifests in people and you know what one person's trauma another person is just like like totally unaffected it's so individualized i yeah we could do a whole podcast on fucking trauma absolutely and i think um when my dad died i know one of the things that happened was because i wasn't dealing with my grief um besides turning into a real asshole which i did and hillary can attest to that I developed really bad um, hives where I would just like my skin itched really badly. And, and I just I felt like, oh, I must be allergic. Right. Like I must have some sort of horrible allergy. And I went to the doctor. I went to an allergist and they tested me for all of these things. They gave me like the, the little pinprick test or whatever. And the guy's like, yeah, you're fine. You don't have any allergies. And then he asked me, he's like, how long ago did your dad die? And I was like three months. And he's like, you need grief counseling. Okay. Yeah. I, that makes total sense to me. So, you know, even though, <laughs> you know, a person's rage can't necessarily manifest itself in the form of rage babies, <laughs> um, it, it can, <laughs> however, affect your health, yeah. um, your, your well-being, your mental well-being, your physical well-being, all of that stuff is interconnected. So, so um, Daddy, whose who's name, by the way, is Frank, I'm sorry, Frank goes to the house and finds Barton, that would be Pop-Pop, uh, it, dead basically just mm-hmm. just bludgeoned to death and then rage baby jumps out and jumps on his back and that's when i went this isn't an imaginary friend that that was like my first inkling because i was just like all right what did pop-pop do and i was just like well according to nola mom it was you know grandma abused mom dad did nothing and if they were estranged or divorced, did dad leave, leave grandma to abuse? And I said, okay, yeah, no, grandpa's got to go. I connected all of that. It wasn't until Creature Child jumps onto dad, who had been nothing but like loving his kid, where I went, hmm, why is imaginary friend attacking dad? That's genius. Okay. So meanwhile... So there's this fight going on, right, between um, between Frank and the Rage Baby. And then all of a sudden, the Rage Baby starts suffocating yeah. and then just dies. Yeah, and I was just like, and Dad didn't do anything. It nope, yeah. nope. It just, it literally has like a seizure and then it fucking dies on the bathroom floor. Now, here's where things get really weird dad decides to i don't know does he call the cops and the cops come and take the body yeah he must have called the cop why he was invited to the autopsy right no fucking okay (laughs) because in cronenberg land i can just tiptoe into someone's autopsy and that's completely kosher yeah no like i was like what did, what does Frank do? And I was like, wait, he's in construction. Why is he? How would how did he get invited to the deformed creature child? Those wacky Canadian Mounties. Yeah, I was just like, oh, maybe that is how they do it in Canada, right? When you find a dead body, come to the autopsy. Absolutely, <laughs> everyone's invited. We are the most polite place ever. So so he gets so he gets invited <laughs> to this autopsy, and the autopsy guy what medical examiner thank you medical examiner says here's an interesting thing about this body which by the way is lying there naked it basically looks like a naked child but has no genitalia right okay so he points out there are no sex organs yeah no sex organs and but then he says it's colorblind it's colorblind uh, see skipped right over that i the next like line that i really heard was he ran out of gas oh <laughs> right <laughs> so right okay so no sex organs colorblind no teeth can't talk because its tongue is too thick no belly button because it was never birthed 
and it has a gas bag between its shoulders that that that's how it gets its energy and that the basically <laughs> yes that the gas bag ran out and it ran out of gas yeah i was like what deformed baby child is running off gasoline like i was so okay this is no longer an imaginary friend what the fuck have we created in cronenberg land Okay, so Frank sees this and basically assumes, okay, so this child baby rage thing, whatever this is, is dead. Therefore, everything's fine. Everything is fine. Exactly. Everything is fine. So meanwhile, Nola decides to call Frank at his house and Hot for Teacher picks up the phone. Yeah, Hot for Teacher picks up the phone, who's really just there keeping this little girl alive so we can go get your drunk father from driving off a fucking bridge and you are just so mature and well put together, Nola, that you just like start cursing out the baby. She starts cursing her out and she's like, leave him alone, you fucking bitch. (laughs) As only Samantha Egger can do. Um, and so, so it's funny because like, then, you know, she's like, yeah, this dick is not worth it. Yeah. No. And good on her. Cause how many women do you and I know that would be like, I'm just going to stick it out and stick through this and I'm going to love him and make it fucking better. And blah, blah, blah. Right. You're, yeah. you're, you're talking to someone who actually did that at one point was like, you know, you're going through a shitty divorce with a, with a shitty custody battle. And I'm like, I'm going to stick by this because this looks like a good idea. Yeah, I'm currently marrying somebody with three... I mean, he is already divorced. We've already gotten that part. But still fucking bitter towards one another. And now we have custody of three children. And once I thought it was trauma that was creating imaginary friends that were killing people, all I thought was, oh my god, my youngest is absolutely going to send a imaginary friend murder baby in to fight me. So I better go get the meat tenderizer out of the kitchen to defend myself from imaginary friend trauma. And this is why I don't have kids. Yeah, no, don't have fucking kids. All right. So what what was great is like when um when when Hot for Teacher is done with all of her, you know, she's done babysitting basically. Frank has come home and he's like, "Look, like I, I you know, I'm I'm really sorry about all this." And she's like, "See you at the next open house." Yeah, just out. She's just like, "Your life is really complicated. Goodbye. Have a good day." Right. She's yeah. like, "This is totally not worth it." So, um Frank finds Candy cowering in the corner and tells her, "Look, I saw Rage baby die. Mm-hmm. You don't have anything to worry about. Yeah. We killed it. Life is good. Meanwhile, I don't know what Canadian newspaper this is. <laughs> the Sun. <laughs> but but they have basically released this like naked genitalist photo on the cover like it's the weekly world news yeah no all i was thinking was it was like uh the version of like the national Enquirer, you know where you get all of your news via men in black right and i was and then i started thinking about it it's just like oh man was like journalism honest in the 70s what like an amazing time to be alive because it's just like Rage baby takes over the world. Yeah, no belly button, but runs on gasoline. So just, just a just a head scratcher. I mean, like some stuff. The thing about this movie is it's so relatable. It's absolutely relatable if you think about it in terms of unresolved feelings, unresolved trauma, right? But then. Cronenberg always throws something in there where you're like, okay, now I think you're just fucking with us. Yeah, but yes, like the decisions everybody makes all make sense. Uh, People are able to identify either with divorce or trauma or mental. You can relate to something that is going on. And then every so often you're just like, what? But then like hit you and then but then we're back into like deep emotional fucking gut punch. Absolutely. And so if you thought that Jan Hertog was a weird dude, like, you know, rolling around on the floor, goiter on his neck, uh, Michael is here to say, Hold my beer, because he shows up at um Oh, he shows up at Jan Hartog's house, right? Or whatever, halfway house facility. And Jan Hartog's like, hey, 
I got another witness for you. His name is Michael. He left Dr. Raglan. And then, and like I said, and at that moment, Frank is just like, yeah, you guys are fucking batshit. I cannot put you on the stand. Yeah, no. And rightfully, and really thinks it's all resolved. I mean, he's like, he's pretty much like, yeah, I don't even need you guys. It's fine. Um, but, but not before Michael approaches Frank and says, Dr. Raglan was my daddy. Can you be my daddy? Be my daddy. Please be my daddy, Frank. And you're like, okay, I, at that point, yeah, I'm fucking done. Yeah, I loved it though. I thought that was absolutely great. And I remembered when Michael, you know, then being berated as Michael Michelle, uh, and it, you know, he like ripped his robe open and it looked like he had cigarette burns all over his body. And then as the scene kept getting more intense, all of a sudden he had like cigarette burns on his face. Like they kept growing. And it, it was in that moment that I went, okay, there's really something more going on here. And, you know, just as you were talking about of your story about your dad and getting hives, just those how physical manifestations start happening. And I went, oh, mom, okay, now I know where we are. Okay, so now Michael revealed, Michael's here to reveal, basically, that Dr. Raglan has kind of taken on Nola as the queen bee. Yeah. And that Nola is his prize patient and he has essentially kicked out everyone else from the Swiss chalet where they live. Yes, the uh, psychoplasmics group has been closed for everyone except Nola. And I just like wrote down, I was just like, oh, this is that air quote therapy. Right. That they're doing. Yeah. 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 Therapy uh, in a short robe. So uh, meanwhile... Ruth goes to teach her class, you know, and she's all the kids are getting, you know, they're they're getting ready and they uh, Frank's dropping Fr- Frank's about to drop them off. But he's actually outside and he's kind of hanging out for some. Reason. I think he's talking to a parent. Yeah. Another parent. It looks like she's a parent right. shows up and is just like, how are you know, like you got a lot going on, Frank. I, I feel like everybody's kind of trying to bang dad a little. Yeah. I was just going to say that. I was like, oh, another parent that just wants to have sex with Frank. Yeah. Like it's never overt, but it's very like, and I, re- I do. I'm so team Frank. I'm oh, so I was, I'll, I am so team Frank. I love yeah. Frank. I love Art Hendel. I think he does such an amazing job in this. Such a, such a beautifully understated job. In yes. That. Yeah. Wasn't, he's really just being a person. Like, I really felt like this was, I was really watching something real. So this scene, I'm going to tell you, this is one of the more disturbing scenes I've seen in a horror film. Um, Just uncomfortable. I was actually really glad that I watched this with Pablo and not with my mother. Yeah. um, I watched this alone in my bed in the dark. Also, terrified that my youngest was going to send his trauma baby to come kill me so i was already really uncomfortable and then we have the emotions of like burying the person that you love and blah blah yeah i was in a weird fucking pit as yeah cronenberg taking us on a major emotional roller coaster so uh, the teacher has her back turned and she's uh, I think she's like cleaning the, the the board or whatever. And meanwhile, two rage babies in snowsuits show up. They quietly escort Candy out of the room. So yeah. Candy is not a witness and then proceed to beat the teacher to death with mallets in front of the entire like first grade class yeah and here's the thing about this scene is that this scene is not done with like you know big orchestra or it really is done in such a realistic way that these children are watching in horror as their teacher is beaten to death by these two what they perceive as two other children. Yeah, two other children that, you know, look weird, but are the same height and size of children. Also, why are there mallets in the fucking classroom? Um, maybe for arts and crafts. Did they just bring them with them? 
I, maybe she was teaching them arts and craft stuff. They were playing with clay. Hey, yeah, I mean, whatever. Yeah, can I don't really remember first grade so well. But... Has- hashtag Canada. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so that's exactly. When your education system is funded properly, you can have mallets. Yeah. Mallets in class, right? So, meanwhile, this little adorable little boy runs out of the classroom and finds Frank and tells him the bad kids are beating up Mrs. Mayor. Yeah, Mrs. Mayor. And yeah, you know, Frank runs into the school and just the scene of the teacher on the floor with just her face is bloodied. Oh, there's brain. Yeah, like the back of her head is caved in. Like gruesome, fucking gruesome scene. And it's just this group of children standing around looking at her. And like, it was really fucking hard to watch. Yeah, it is a really, really hard scene. And then uh, Frank covers her with a sheet of um, of paper like that they would use for like art class. And then he's like, bye kids, I gotta go. Yeah, well, then he realizes that Candy isn't here. Yeah, he's like, my kid is missing. I have to leave. So then we see, um, we actually see two of the rage babies uh, walking hand in hand with Candy down the street because they're basically taking her back to Nola. Yeah, uh, I loved that. So they're walking down that snow lined street and, you know, it's an orange, uh, red and a blue jumpsuit all hand in hand. And just as the truck is driving by, I was thinking, I was just like, oh man, we're just going to have like a, you know, a random death. Because obviously if you see three children walking down a fucking highway. In the ice. In ice with no one else around, you are going to stop your truck and be like, hi, eight-year-old on a highway. What are we doing? Where are we going? Where is your parent? But no, no, no. Nope, totally. I guess in Canada, it's just oh so safe that seeing three eight-year-olds walk down the street is just fine and damn. Hand in hand, right? So uh, meanwhile, Michael, will you be my daddy, shows up and tells Frank that Nola is being kept in an uh, in a in an attic like or there's a there's a little attic that's like a side from soma free where she is being kept and that is that's basically where she, where they think that the kids have gone um so frank goes to soma free and raglan pulls a gun yeah just I, it was, that was a fucking bizarre thing. You know, he's snooping around. Raglan walks out. You know, dad, like, jokes him up against, you know, the wall and is just like, man, man, I'm here to get my daughter. And then he lets him go. And then he's just like, well, I'm going to find her. She's here anyway. And then Raglan's like, I should tell you, I have a pistol. <laughs> <laughs> another, another... <laughs> Another fun fact about Oliver Reed is that he actually got arrested on the set of this movie because somebody um, somebody dared him that he couldn't walk to the la- to the nearest bar buck naked in the snow. Oh, good for him! I like him now. But right. yeah, his gun is at uh, dick level. Just yeah, totally yeah. dick level. Yeah, yeah right there. Re- um, Reel it in here, boys. <laughs> Yep, there it is. Uh, So he basically tells him, he says, look, he's like, I know where they're keeping candy. I have to go in there. Nola is in there. You need to be nice to Nola in one room so that I can go and get candy in the other room. Like, you basically have to play like you're getting back together with her. Yeah, and I thought it was just... Finally, like, Raglan really is like, okay, this is a serious fucking problem. Okay. And is just, like, all in the solution. And just, like, the way that this was done was so well. Just like, yeah, you have to keep her calm. And he's just like, no, I'm dad is, I'm just going to go in there and get my fucking daughter. And it's just like, no, uh, these children will kill you. Like, Nola hates you. And I and then that was when my brain exploded and was just like, yep, yeah, no, you got to go in, make nice, nice, you know, make sweet love to your wife by the fire and get your daughter out of there. Yeah, 
And then what? But okay. So Frank goes in there and Nola is like, it's wild, right? She has like, her hair is wild. She's wearing this like long gown that. Flowy. Flowy red 70s house coat if you're rich. Yeah. Red. Really crazy, crazy, just craziness, right? And. Frank comes in and he says, you know, I want you back and I I love you and I was wrong and let's make this work. And Nola then says, if you want me back, then look at this. Yeah. And opens up her red robe and uh, she's she's making another rage baby. <laughs> yeah, so she lifts up this this nightgown, this long nightgown, to reveal that she's got basically like almost like a detached womb on her that is making other rage babies. Yeah, and as she opens that up, then it's like cut to Dr. Raglan trying to get candy. And, like, rage babies just start, like, popping up from bunks. And, ju- like, the, um, you know, again, I thought there were, there was one, we killed it, then there were two, okay. But there are at least, lot. at least 30 in this room. Yeah, and they just keep, it's clown car. Yeah, and what's funny about this is, yeah, I was, like, sitting there going, wow, they really, uh, they really went out of their way to build a shit ton of bunk beds in here. Yeah, they maximized their space very well. Tiny home, big dreams or whatever. (laughs) Lot of, lot of bunk beds, man. There's, like, 30 of these rage babies, and they were sleeping very soundly. When Raglan comes in and finds Candy, you know, and to take her away... You know, they're they're actually like they're sleeping, so it's like looks really good. But unfortunately upstairs when Nola lifts up her her nightgown and then uh and then somehow opens up the womb, takes one of the rage babies and starts licking it like a cat, yeah. Frank's soul leaves his body. Yeah, and rightfully fucking so. Cause I my I was gagging. Uh, it was very kitten. Like, mama cat licking its newborn, and I was just like, Which apparently Samantha Egger came up with on the spot. Oh, obviously. And well fucking done, because it was fucking gross. There's a reason she's Oscar nominated. Yeah, and- Not for this movie, clearly. She could have been. I don't know for what category, because I don't know what Oscar So Frank is, like, (laughs) horrified by this, and Nola's like, I disgust you. You, you're, you're disgusted by me. And he's like, no, no, and he just like, can't, I mean, he literally cannot utter a sentence. And so all the rage babies start waking up because Nola's mad. And when mama's mad, everyone's mad. Yeah. No, loved that. Yeah. Mama's getting mad. Everybody, mama not having a good day. Ain't nobody having a good day. And all the little children from upstairs, um, were actually gymnasts. They were little gymnast kids that they hired with masks and stuff like that to play these like rage babies. I know that makes sense. They were very agile and, you know, spry. And so Candy, meanwhile, has locked herself in a closet and she's trying to, she really is trying to like get out. Dr. Raglan gets torn apart day of the dead style. Yeah, no, that was fucking fantastic. Uh, Yeah. I mean, I do believe in my heart of hearts that Dr. Raglan did get thrown into like this field where he knew that this was happening. Nobody was going to believe him and he was trying to help. I do believe that, you know, and he just knew that this was out of his fucking pay grade. But what are you going to do? Like, nobody's going to believe you that you have a fucking patient with a womb outside of her body who makes rage babies that go out and kill the thing that she's mad at. Absolutely. So meanwhile, downstairs, Nola is like super, you know, she's she's got like the rage and the excitement and she's like super manic, basically. Yeah. And she tells Frank, I will kill Candace before I let you have her. Yeah. And that was when I just went. Yeah, mom is really fucking unhinged. Exactly. So guess what? Frank lunges for her and chokes her out in probably the quickest uh, strangulation scene I've ever seen. Yeah, like it is faster than like Rambo. You know, when he just like starts snapping necks, it was just like he touched her throat. And apparently that's 
She kept her heart in it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so he chokes her out. She dies, and all the rage babies die. Yeah. And uh, Frank finds Candace and gets her, and they get the fuck out of Dodge. And at the very, the very last scene of this movie, uh, it's very moving. Is you know, Candy is kind of staring off into space because she's definitely disassociated, and they should just really like find a treatment center for her at this point because there's no way she's not going to be fucked up after all of this. Yeah, no, that's a lot. That's fucking heavy to take on at eight. I'm 44 and was like, I was stuck last night. And then we see on her arm little welts that have started appearing basically to say that this level of rage, this level of trauma is going to be carried down whether she's whether nola's alive or not yeah no it's it's it bloodline you know it looked like grandma had it because that's what was happening to mom and it, it it's just something in like their dna and they don't know how to break this chain at least dad is aware that rage babies come out and yeah and now cue firestarter yeah totally cue yeah. some cue firestarter so <laughs> so that is it for the brood and i now so hillary chose this off of our list and so we're going to do next time we're gonna do friday the 13th part five all right right. enjoy your enchiladas stay manic my lovelies